You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. You already know what it is, man. It's your host, Reagan Griffin, as always, joined by Mr. Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Gentlemen, before we do anything at all, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Doing pretty good. Uh, I'm really, really hoping that, you know, the NBA can turn itself around in the midst of all these positive COVID tests that these players are coming up with. Uh, I know that, you know, the players were not going to opt in for a bubble and I don't blame them, but these are the consequences that happen when, you know, you, you don't have teams in a bubble. And I, I hope this can get resolved, you know, whatever it takes. It's looking ugly right now, man. You already had a lot of postponements and cancellations and delays and all of that. Um, it's getting really hard to control all those variables out there for, with each of the given cities. Eddie, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine, I guess. Not happy that the Warriors just lost um, to the Pacers. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. But let's just get this podcast going. You know who did win? You know who did win? The LA Lakers. And we look beautiful. We look magnificent tonight. I mean, what did I say? Oh, here he go. S-tier team. S-tier. Hey, man. The Lakers regular season, like, I'm not putting... I'm putting little to no credence to it just at this point. It's a somewhat of a basis to understand where the team's at, I guess. But, you know, if they lose some games that they shouldn't lose or they win some games, like at this point, it's neither here nor there to me. I just wait, waiting to see that postseason. But anyways, we still have a regular season to address, and let's go ahead and do that with some news coming out of – let's start with Houston, man. Houston's, you know, stuff's kind of hitting the fan. Stuff's kind of hitting the fan out there. James Harden's had comments about, you know, things being unfixable – John Wall, you brought up in the pre-show meeting, Julio, he had kind of what a retort, um, not really directed at James Harden directly, but kind of hinting at possibly James Harden being some of uh, a major part of the issues that Houston is having right now. So what are our thoughts on what's transpiring in Houston? Is I, I think at this point it's fair to say that a James Harden trade is inevitable, but how do we see the, that situation playing out? I mean, it's, it's atrocious right now, and... As I've said before on other podcasts, I, w- I watch every single Laker game or every single game that I can, and that's most. Um, and watching tonight's game, it was a blowout from the start. And frankly, that's how the last two games have been against the Houston Rockets. I mean, they come out unmotivated. And do I blame them so much? No, because their leader, at least on the court, best player uh, is what I mean, James Harden. He's already one of those basketball players that's, you know, not necessarily tenacious, not, you know, like a Kobe or even like a loudmouth Patrick Beverly. He, he can seem checked out sometimes. And on top of all these, you know, him requesting a trade, not wanting to be there, he's even more checked out. 
And when you when you have guy when you have a lot of rookies on that team, a lot of free agents, so, you know, guys like Demarcus Cousins, John Wall. I, I'm not trying to say those guys are bad dudes, but it, it's just not a recipe uh, that you want to put, you know, like a newly hired coach in. And it's just horrible. They're playing no defense. It's one on one all the time. It's the team just looks uninspired. There's there's I mean, there's no positive signs coming out of that team. So if I'm the Houston Rockets, it's not that, you you know, you you necessarily have to trade them as soon as possible, but might as well just move on if it's going to happen anyways. Um, and, and th- you know, that's my kind of two cents on it. You, you just have to move on. So, I mean, you guys know I, I love James Harden, but this is not something that's uncharacteristic of him per se. And – you know, I, I like that players have power. Um, I believe that players, especially when you're as good as James Harden, you're allowed to kind of dictate the rules a little bit. But, you know, I don't like that he's coming out to the post-game press conference and literally saying, you know, get me out of here. Because usually these are some behind-the-scenes stuff. These are leaks coming from the player camp, from the agent, whatever. But if you're James Harden, you know, the Houston Rockets have literally done everything for you for the last however many years. You know, they let you essentially dribble the ball for 20 seconds every possession the last couple of years. They let you have like a 50% usage rate, shoot every shot, handle the ball every time, you know, for the last couple of years. They built an entire offense around him that, I mean, to be fair, it capitalizes on his strengths and it made the team really good. But everything that James Harden could have possibly wanted – in terms of trading for the players he wants, playing a basketball style that fits him, Houston has done. And to kind of be frustrated now, that's that's fair. You can be frustrated that you're not happy in the situation. But, you know, I think at some point he deserves to, you know, like, like he deserves to pay it back a little bit. You know, like he, he says he loves the city. Well, he should love the franchise. Maybe he doesn't have to love the owner or the new GM or new coach. But, you know, I, I think he just should have acts a little differently. He doesn't I mean, have to that, come out and just kind of flame him like that. That That's fair, but you're also talking about for all his faults and for all the faults that I point out in his game uh, and, and just how, you know, his teams are usually, you know, how, how, you know, the Rockets offense usually goes. He's not wrong. And I think his teammates kind of took offense to what he said. He said, he, said, he straight up said, and I quote, we're not good enough, you know, we're not good enough. And maybe John Wall took offense to that and saying, you know, when guys aren't bought in and here's my problem with the John Wall thing, bro, you're naive and ignorant to think that you guys can actually do something in the West. Not with this team, not with this team. And I know, you know, Reagan, especially maybe Eddie disagrees, but not, not with this team, not with this team. I mean, they, okay. Uh, i if you had a bought in James Harden, I you probably won't win the West, but I think you could easily make the semifinal, potentially the Western Conference final with that team. Oh yeah. I mean we think about the Clippers. Is that your best player, John Wall. Well, James Harden as your best. I'm saying if you had a bought in James Harden, you could. Nah. Bro, nah, John I mean, Wall, I, James Harden, I, Christian Wood. Christian Wood. <laughs> Like, come on. No, that team could be a Western AD, Conference. AD has been eating up Christian Wood. I mean, one time. Well, I mean, it's Anthony Davis. Right. But, also, see, I thought what you were going to say, Julio, is that you thought John Wall was being kind of 
you know, um, kind of being naive in that he was, he said he was in those Washington teams where everything was about me as if, you know, like he was one of those players that kind of killed the wizard team culture at a certain point, or, or at least that's what reports were saying back in like 2014 or, or whatever year it was. But no, I agree with Reagan that if there was really a buy-in from everyone involved on this team, I think they can be quite good. And why, I mentioned why, earlier, why, why is the everybody was telling me that this that this dude's offense? What, what's the coach's name? Stephen uh, Silas. Stephen Silas. That, the, that his offense was going to be spectacular. I mean, it, all I've been seeing from the Rockets, and I think I've watched four four of their four or five of their games throughout this regular season. It's all one on one. It's the same crap. John Wall, your turn. And then James Harden, my turn, you know, with a pick and roll from Christian Wood every now and then. Well, that's the problem of this team just being unmotivated. Not, you know, I mean, it starts at the top with James Harden. He's the head of the snake. If he doesn't feel like playing, you know, how Coach Silas wants him to play, if he doesn't feel like playing Houston, period, that's well, on the obviously Rockets. there's going to have some remnants. That's on the Rockets. You have to move on because you don't want to put your new coach under that kind of pressure or no i no i agree with you once james harden signaled that he wants out it never gets any better the longer you drag it out so i mean if you were houston you should have known this was coming but on the flip side i I, like i mentioned i do think james harden doesn't have to go straight to the post-game presser and you know air all that dirty laundry in public like that Hmm. let's go ahead and move on to another kind of dirty laundry situation and that's kyrie irving and the brooklyn nets uh kyrie irving is just kind of on sabbatical right now, I guess. He kind of just took the time off. He was at his sister's birthday party, I believe it was. And then, you know, he Eddie brought up in the pre-show meeting that he was on a Zoom call in support of a district attorney that's progressive. So good on Kyrie for participating in politics, right? But um, it's definitely a weird situation, right? Like, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of um, watching The Last Dance and Dennis Robin just kind of dips, <laughs> right? And no one really knows what he's doing. But then he actually pulls back up to play and he comes ready to play. But um, who knows how this situation plays out with Kyrie? What are you guys' thoughts on how this, what this means for the Nets? You know, is this a slippery slope that they're on right now? Is this a one-time thing? Is this just Kyrie being Kyrie? What are we thinking? It's a very delicate situation, and if you're the Nets, you know, do you? You're not going to say no to Kyrie because saying no to Kyrie means saying no to KD. You know, when you're first signing them as, as free agents, but it is a very delicate situation because you don't want to seem. Like you're enabling that behavior, but you also don't want to, in a way, punish him and, you know, just make the situation worse and have a snowball effect where he's just not going to show up, you know, and somehow just retire and just make some big announcement, just bring a whole bunch of mess, uh, more mess onto the team than it's necessary. Is Kyrie playing his cards right or, you know, handling his situation, handling his business, handling his job? correctly in the manner that you know i would say is right or correct no um but if you're the nuts it's almost like well damn what do you do you you can't necessarily punish him because again it's just going to make the situation worse and malika andrews from espn did report that because a lot of reports were coming out that the nets didn't know where he was or didn't know what he was doing and he was off the grid i i i saw that phrase thrown around a lot, but Malika Andrews, who is in contact with a lot of people from the Nets, um, said that the Nets did know where Kyrie was and how 
long kind of, you know, an estimated time period of his kind of departure would be. So I wouldn't worry too much, but it, it is a situation that you have to monitor. You know, we joke that, oh, Kyrie is taking a, a sabbatical, like Kyrie is just taking days off. But the truth is, if the NBA really cares about the mental health of their players, like they said they did, you know, after the whole Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan thing, I mean, I know this is super far-fetched and totally not going to happen, but doesn't it make sense for the NBA to institute some, like, two weeks worth of paid vacation days or just sabbatical days for players? Because I'm not saying I condone Kyrie and what he's doing right now, but the truth is sometimes players just probably don't feel like playing. And I know it's ridiculous to say when they're getting paid, you know, nine figures up, you know, to, to play basketball, but... I really believe that if Kyrie showed up to play like these games, he'd probably look terrible and his mind's probably just not in it. And if you give him a couple of days off, you know, let him do whatever he wants to do. He'll probably come back the first game he returns and drop 50 flat, you know? And that's the thing where it's like, again, the, the whole sabbatical thing, paid vacation days, I'm like being semi-serious, but also, you know, I know, I know that's not a reality, but the truth is you're Brooklyn and you knew what you got into when you signed Kyrie and KD. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world as long as it doesn't blow up where, again, I think that if Kyrie has some time to get his mind right, whatever he wants to do, he'll probably come back playing better than ever. So, again, it is – it just – the situation is simply what it is. And my my thing is, is shouldn't, not so much – Shouldn't try to blow this up out of proportion. Yeah, my thing is is not so much him being out. It's kind of the lack of communication with his teammates and his coaches and – I mean, he, telling your teammates that you're going to be out on the night of a game and that you're just not going to be there, it's kind of like, oh, okay, bro. Like, I mean, go do your thing, but why, you know? So it's it's not comfortable. I'm kind of torn here because on the one hand, also, by the way, Eddie, I think that's a kind of a, you know, not revolutionary idea, but, like, that's, you know, an interesting thing to think. You know, maybe we give – you know, players, you got, you know, 14 days that you can take off, whether those are practice days or game days. You know, here, you take a couple of days off if that's what you want. Um, but it smells, it, it has wafts of last year's Los Angeles Clippers. And I know you mentioned that in previous podcasts, I think, Eddie. And not in that, you know, that, you know, this team is currently as, you know, unmotivated as the Clippers were. But, you know, where the Clippers began to fall apart is that, you had Kawhi Leonard and you had Paul George and then you had everybody else who had, you know, basically a different set of rules and regulations that they operated under where Ky- or Kawhi got to go back to San Diego after every game and they got to kind of dictate the practice schedule and they kind of neutered uh, uh, Doc Rivers and his coaching schedule, right, and, and his power over the the team. So I almost wonder, right, if we're going to have this energy for Kyrie, sure, but, you know, we can't go up in arms now if, you know, Jared Allen wants to take a day off too, right? Like, I, that's the important thing is that there's a level of consistency. And now that's where I start wondering if there's a bit of a slippery slope here. Where now if we're looking at not just Kyrie and KD, but 15 dudes who are all like, you know what, maybe I don't play tonight. You know, maybe I, I – and, you know, you do have that lack of communication like you were talking about, Julio. That's where it could get pretty tricky. So – um, I, I think the important thing is just that it's consistent throughout the entire team and it's not just, you know, special courtesies given to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that the rest of the team don't get to enjoy because they're not, you know, the two best players. I guess what, whether Brooklyn likes it or not, Kyrie and KD get to live a different reality than the rest of them. 
if Jared Allen wants to take a day off, I mean, hell no, like they're not going to quote unquote allow it, or it's going to be looked at way different than the rest of them. And that simply just is because, you know, Kyrie and KD are kind of a luxury to them. You know, Jared Allen is, is a player that, you know, still needs to, I guess, prove himself and but is you, not you, a superstar. You, you know, like I know, that, that that breeds problems, though. I mean, we saw it last year. You're going to have dudes who have um, issues with certain guys being able to get away with certain things and other guys not being able to get away with certain things. That, that, that's inevitable, right, in a team organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of unprecedented. You talked about Dennis Rodman, but it's not like this has happened a lot. Right. But... I don't think anyone can say that they're surprised by this, right? Like, I certainly have said that I was expecting this, you know, from the Brooklyn Nets. I think anyone else who knows about Kyrie and Katie's history, not to cast any value judgment, I'm not saying they're terrible people because of it, but we simply knew that there, there was going to be some sort of issues like these pop up during the season. Yeah, it's hard to, it was hard to imagine not there being something with the Brooklyn Nets at some point, but... Obviously, you still can't deny the talent, so time will only tell what this means for the long term as a team. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to, to the rest of today's episode, which is just going to be an open forum on the rookies of the NBA. Uh, the draft was not that long ago. These guys were kind of just thrown into the fire. No summer league, no real training camp. You just kind of took these guys from whether they were playing overseas or in college or they were, you know, high school to pro if, if they had a weird age. But you kind of just threw them straight into the fire and said, you know, fend for yourselves. And a lot of these guys are doing well. Some of them aren't doing as well as some might expect. But let's go ahead and talk about some of these rookies, man. So with that said, I'll go ahead and open up to the floor. No formal questions, no formal uh, ideas to address. Just let's talk about some rookies. Eddie, who are you going to start with, Wiseman or Halliburton? <laughs> you know, well, I, mean, I, 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 I can take the Halliburton one. I can take the Halliburton one. Well, I mean, first I wanted to say that to me, at least I think that they're playing better than what our expectations of them were, right? Because I think the consensus was this draft class was kind of not great, or at least no, it might, might have been the worst. It's weak. I don't, but Ooh. like it's better than what people were saying about it. Right? At least I think so. Yeah. At least I, for I, the first 10 games. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I didn't, it wasn't a, a Zion Ja draft, right? But I didn't think it was no, going to be weak. It just didn't have. People it was, said this was Anthony Bennett year type. No, no. It just didn't have. To me, it had a lot of pretty good guys, but no, like, superstars. But a lot of guys, like, you know, you went all the way down to, like, 15 in the draft. You can Wait, get he, solid players. He, 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 here's my point. Here's my point. Last year's draft wasn't great. But it was still way better than this draft because you got Zion and Jaw, two potential superstars at the top. And plus, if you're just if all these guys are just pretty good, then why the hell are you drafting them? It's because you need a, pretty good players to. Like, what do you think? Is the NBA is just straight like superstars? Dra- I'm, I'm talking about like top five players in, in the top five. Why are you drafting just pretty good, solid guys when you can trade those picks? Because when they're picks and not players yet, they're way more valuable to other teams. I mean, it's sure. Just like it's the RJ thing, Barrett I thing. think it's like just, just like the RJ I, Barrett thing when you know Eddie said the other day. Well, there wasn't many other players, up, you know, better than RJ Barrett. Well, then trade the damn thing. You don't have to draft trash RJ Barrett. Wow. You don't have to draft him. Well, the RJ Barrett slander continues. But also, the thing was, teams knew. Teams knew that this was a not spectacular draft or it wasn't at least hype 
not even high. Just the general consensus was it wasn't good. So even if you picked ten, you weren't really going to give up that much to move up to number two. And if you were the Wizards, you weren't going to uh, take the number two pick from the Warriors and give up Bradley Beal for it. You know what I mean? So in general, these picks weren't really worth much because everyone thought that the draft was bad. But just in my opinion, I feel like they played better than what we thought they were going to be. I mean, again, I didn't think this draft was going to be terrible. I like, To me, you had guys in previous drafts like Ben Simmons and uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Zion Williamson and John Morant. So you just knew like, yep, this guy's going to step on an NBA court and he's going to be the shit. Um, you didn't have any of those guys, but you had guys who you had equally like, okay, he's got some stuff to him. Anthony Edwards has all the tools. He hasn't, you know, displayed dominance, right? LaMelo Ball hasn't been particularly dominant in the NBL, but all these guys, they have tools that, you know, if cultivated correctly, could be pretty good NBA players. That's how I always view the draft. It's like, okay, there's no surefire things here, um, but there are guys that, that have a lot of potential. Uh, I know you want to get to certain players, but I kind of want to start on LaMelo Ball, man. That, that dude... I mean, come on now. He's hooping, Eddie. Like, I know you had your questions about him, but the dude can play. I mean, did I have questions about him? I didn't think he was terrible. You had I, questions. Who you didn't say he was terrible, but you, you didn't like him. You were not a fan. The, the only thing, I had a number two on my draft board. How, how bad could I possibly hate him? Okay, well, then you just over, two. like, you, you were egregious in the way that you just didn't, like, or the way you described him, I guess. But, like, the only, the only thing I said earlier in the year was, and you posted an RDC video about it that they kept on showing highlights of stuff <laughs> that was not shout out RDC man they don't miss they don't miss but but the thing is I'm saying Lamelo Ball does a lot of very solid stuff that doesn't show up on camera and does a lot of stuff that is flashy for no reason that shows up on Bleacher Report and that's just the case of you know all these social media interns not knowing what's good basketball and what's not but in terms of Lamelo Ball I'm not saying he's a generational prospect. But he's going to be a good point guard in this league, and that's what I said the entire time. I don't think that his shooting numbers right now are, you know, going to be quite sustainable. But that's not even a huge problem to me, you know. As long as I see that he knows what he's doing on the court, you know, he's not he's not becoming like a black hole of sorts. He's not jacking up random shots. Um, he's playing well, and because of it, Charlotte's playing well. So I don't know where this narrative about me hating Lamelo Ball comes from, but yeah. you know, he's been he's been good. He's, I mean, he's been the best rookie so far. All, all-star, a future all-star, yes or no? Hmm. Now, that's tough. Because I, I say gonna, I say uh, yes without hesitation. I say yes without, like, even an inkling of hesitation. All-star is tough because there's so much, like, sub- subjective stuff that goes into it. But I don't know. It's like every draft class, it feels like there has to be one player who's an all-star. So I'd say he'd probably be the one to make it. Hmm. And it can't be James Wiseman, right? Right, Eddie? <laughs> Are we going to get into Wiseman already? No, well, I, I, I did want to talk about Halliburton because I, contrary to what – well, it's not really contrary because I, I think him and LaMelo Ball have been the two best rookies. Um, none of them or neither of them really beating each other out by a large margin per se. But – Halliburton, it's it's his game is so intriguing to me because I, I mean I didn't watch him in college, but placing him, he, he's a point guard, but he's also what, what is he six seven? He's yeah. pretty tall, six 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 seven somewhere in there. 
Yes, something like something that. Like. And, and the the fact that you know he can run your offense when De'Aaron Fox isn't you know on the court, and, and you can maybe stagger their minutes. But you don't have to stagger their minutes. You can play them together. And De'Aaron Fox being he's not so much of a dominant you know point guard like a Dame per se, but he'll have the ball for most of the possession. And Halliburton can still play off the ball and be super super effective. You know, not requiring to have a high usage rate, kind of, kind of like Zion, but you know, in a different way. His shot is there. He, he shoots a high percentage. He, you know, his field goal percentage and his overall field goal percentage and his three point percentage. His passing chops are there. His speed is there. I mean, his confidence is there. Just his swagger. I mean, this has been the for me the most. Uh, uh, the I don't want to say the surprise because I didn't I didn't watch him in college, but. You know, I've been impressed by him the most, uh, uh, you know, overall in this rookie class. I mean, obviously, I think everyone knows how I feel about Halliburton and how I felt about him. But the truth is, I think in general, we kind of undervalue players who are great off-ball players. Because, I mean, even when I saw, you know, within draft circles of how they ranked Halliburton versus other players, you know, we have such a tremendous focus on the guys who can do things with the ball in their hands. But the truth is every NBA team needs guys who can operate without the ball. That's just simply how an NBA offense works. So when you talk about guys like Marcus Smart, who's a great role player, a Draymond Green, a Mikhail Bridges, you know, these are all either elite and, or going to become really elite. Yeah. And I, I don't want to cut like you off. Like elite but, role players. Mm-hmm. And... Working off the ball, being super effective off the ball doesn't just mean being a great three-point shooter. It's so much broader than, you know, what a lot of stats can tell you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's about yeah, being and, in the right I spots mean, and, and moving, right, and knowing to replace guys when they cut and all that sort of stuff. It's He, he knows all that. He's a high IQ player. And my whole thing with Halliburton was, yeah, he wasn't going to be a great option if you were just going to say, put him on a trash team and let him do stuff like, no, he's not, he's not that type of player, but that doesn't diminish his value that much. We see what he's doing to the Sacramento team already. When he's on the floor, they just look, you know, levels better. And I mean, just, just to throw a number out there, he's second in the league in assist to turnover ratio right now as a rookie, like as a rookie, that that's pretty tremendous. You're talking about a player who assists on a lot of shots. You know, it's not like he's a reluctant passer. He, he, he creates opportunities a lot in games and he doesn't make mistakes and he's doing this as a 20 year old you know i don't know i'm that, that's really tremendous to me that's like chris paul level type stuff mm. do you do we see him as a guy who over time can take i, I don't think he's ever going to be like a star like give this guy the ball and he's going to take your team to the next level but what do we see his ceiling at? like obviously you have um deer and fox there so that kind of limits how much on ball usage he can get but can he be the guy like a starting point guard of a you know projecting long term championship team? Uh, I think he can be the third best player on a championship team. Mm, okay, that I mean that's pretty high. That that's pretty. I high. think that that's like the that would be the perfect role ideally for him. Okay, I mean to me he's the kind of player that every team that wants to win a championship wants to have. You know what I mean? So whether he's a third or fourth or fifth best player i mean that's hard for me to say but any team that has championship aspirations put him there and your chances go up you know exponentially it's kind of like how i feel about marcus smart you know like marcus smart put him on a team you know okay 
But Marcus Smart, his IQ just goes okay, down. We're not going down this rabbit hole. Shots. We're not going down this rabbit hole. When he starts making shots, he... Thinking, <laughs> we're not doing this tonight, man. He's about to go ham on Marcus Smart. Um. All right, so we went through Halliburton. Let's go ahead and talk Wiseman. James Wiseman. Yeah. Yeah. So before I say anything, I just want to throw it to Reagan. Yo. You know, like, what about him so far shows special, like, consistent special, like, to you? Or, like, what about him still shows encouragement to you? I mean, to me, and this isn't particularly skill-related, but his comfortability on an NBA floor, given, you know, not the lack of college experience, right, and then the fact that he really hasn't played substantial basketball in damn near two years, right, um... And he's already that comfortable and on the NBA floor, pulling threes, making the right reads. He's coming along pretty slowly, but I I still have confidence, man. His comfortability at this level in the game, obviously it helps that he has Draymond and Steph, but that gives me a lot of hope. Again, I'm not sure if he's like a bona fide superstar in the making, but I definitely think he projects to be a top 10 center in the league easily. I don't know. He doesn't look that comfortable on the floor to me. You know, like he looks lost. And when he makes mistakes, he compounds them by, you know, making more mistakes. Because, um, I don't, again, I get it. Like, he's 19. He hasn't played basketball that much. And you're supposed to be patient with these sort of players. Like, that's the whole point. But, I mean, again, as a fan of a win-now team, knowing that the Warriors are win-now, it's hard to be patient. And it's hard for, you know, a player like him who has all the potential in the world just feel like... I just feel like, I don't know, he's not willing to reach it, you know. And again, I get it. He's only 19, but it's just it's just hard to watch him because, like, you know he has great fluid mobility for his size. You know that he can jump out of the gym. You know, you know he has elite rim protection potential, but it's just, that's all potential. Like, he's not coming close to showing it. You know who you sound like and, right now? You sound, you sound like your podcast, what? you sound like your podcast mate, Julio. <laughs> Dude, the dude's nineteen. Can we? He's played like what nine, ten games. Can we give him some time? The thing is, he's he's, not, he's literally he's not like say your prime starts at twenty five. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's not good at the stuff you should be good at. What do you mean you know, should like, be I, like it, it would, like would, in high school? My all for all intents and purposes, I look at James Wiseman as a guy who's coming into the NBA with pretty much just high school basketball experience because he played. But, Three games, I think, at, at Memphis. But I'm saying he's taller than everybody on the court. His arms are longer oh, than almost dude. everybody on what? the court. Don't, he don't gets, do that. He gets, don't he, gets, do he gets higher than anyone on the court. He's shooting 50% on two-pointers. If he just dunks all day, that's 100%. Like, how can his shooting percentage on two-pointers possibly be so low? That shows some sort of disconnect in your decision-making process. And, you know, like, it has to be something within these parts of your but but you understand like though, right? Like the, the more the more you get in game and the more repetitions you put in, the easier the game comes, and that stuff comes over time, right? Like this is a guy who at the high school level, obviously it didn't matter what the hell you threw at him, it didn't matter how skilled or unskilled he was, he's fucking seven feet tall, he's gonna dominate everybody. Even at Memphis in the short spurs that we saw, there's no one that's holding a candle to the dude athletically. You have to give him time to develop in this NBA setting, which he hasn't had yet. On compounding the fact that he really hasn't played a ton of basketball over the past two years, so I, I feel like to extrapolate that 
large of a conclusion or that finite of a conclusion off of what we've seen this small sample size i'm not sure that's fair because it's just like you know the dude has to have time to cultivate the the god-giving abilities that he's already had right that that processing stuff comes with repetition you can't just even even the most you know film oriented guys have to do it on the court for it to register right yeah i think you know having guys like draymond is going to help him a lot with that but you know you can't just say that the dude just doesn't have it right like it's it's gonna come trust me if he wants it, right? Like I like it, I can't speak to what he feels, but if the dude wants it, and I'm not gonna, you know, be the one to say he doesn't want it, right? Um, uh, then it's gonna come for him. Like just give it time. I just, I just don't know if he, I just don't know if he processes the game of basketball the right way, and that's a frustrating thing because, you know, whether you're a fresh faced rookie or whether you're a seasoned vet, you know, like at least. You just want to see that you're thinking the game of basketball the right way. And it feels like, you know, he's chasing highlight plays. He's, you know, he's like chasing highlight worthy shots. He's like trying to do things tough and make things while doing them tough for the looks of it and not understanding things like where to be on a basketball court, you know, to not get in the way of others, you know, how to position yourself defensively, you know, like, I mean, when, when we were playing Portland, Right. It's like, OK, they, they set a high screen for Damian Lillard. Like if, even if you don't watch that much film or whatever, it's Damian Lillard. You should know that you've got to be up on the level defending him and not sagged up all the way in the paint. Right. And it's just that sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, however, however many games you play in the NBA, it's like you should at least know to be on the level defensively with him. Right. It, sh- it just shows me that there's some sort of disconnect. And that's the stuff that gets really frustrating to me because it's one thing if you're a rookie and you're 19 and the game is going too fast for you. But the truth is he's not even willing to let the game be too fast for him. It just feels like he's shutting down when he has to make those sort of decisions. And I know I'm being tough. I'm being like an immigrant dad. I'm like just bullying, you know, all these like kids into trying to become good. But the truth is, again, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not an ability thing with James Wise. We know that he has all the potential ability in the world. It's just, is he willing to put his mind to it? Is he willing to, you know, process all that stuff the right way? To me, I'm not, I'm not super encouraged. My thing is, and I don't want, I, I don't watch a lot of Warriors games. I think I've watched like three thus far. But whenever, th- there are some players who really make their presence felt um, and others who don't. There are some players who disappear on a basketball floor and others who stand, who, who clearly stand out. And, and James Wiseman, I don't know if you, it's like you need to light a fire under him or, you know, make him play with more ferocity. But bro plays like, again, I, I don't want to say soft, but like he just like Lonzo, kind of, kind of like Lonzo. He's like Lonzo out there where, where it's like, does he care? I don't know. So. Um, th- that's my takeaway with him. I mean, I- I've always observed that he never smiles on a basketball court, and I know that's it doesn't <laughs> matter, but like he's never smiled on a basketball court. This uh, are we are we doing me. this right now? I, I are we really doing this right now? We're really Listen, putting this bro, much like, scrutiny. He hasn't smiled, bro. Right? Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Really? How can you be an NBA player and look like you'd rather be a certified CPA? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, okay, to be fair to me, coming out of the draft, I didn't think he was special. <laughs> it's like, look, I, 
I said, I said, you know, on the on the clock episode, he has he has a high floor because again, being that tall and being that athletic makes you an NBA caliber player regardless. He can be Nerlens Noel if he even didn't care. But I'm saying he could become a Miles Turner just reasonably if he, you know, put his mind to it. And by the way, Miles Turner isn't bad. I tweeted out a couple things about him because I like him a lot. But you know, if he really wanted to tap into the specialness of him, he can become Anthony Davis easily. You know, he can, he can become that sort of caliber of big. Maybe not easily. I'm exaggerating, but he can be a special sort of big. It's just look, everything that people loved about him in the pre-draft was all about his size, his athleticism, and fluidity for that size. But basketball is not just a run and jump league. You know, basketball is not just about running fast and jumping over people. It's a lot of it, but you need a lot more of that to be good. You know, it's all about can you pick up the rest of that? Because even in high school, he didn't have that sort of stuff. Bro, the three games bro, in college bro. Okay. wasn't really there. I want you to point to me. You go look at the all-star centers in this league, right? We talk about the um, – the. I mean, I guess Joel Embiid didn't play high school here. But, like, look at – like, what NBA center, like, what all-NBA center – in high school was up here like processing the game at the highest of levels at east like in high school bro like these are kids we talk about these are things that are accumulated over time i get it like tyrese halliburton is coming at it advanced but ask me how like tyrese halliburton even he stayed in the college for a year like this stuff doesn't just it's not innate it has to be done through hard work and repetition like it just doesn't happen in nine games it doesn't just happen for having played high it's particularly when you're playing high school basketball at seven feet, there's no reason for you to be that apt in basketball IQ. Like, it's, I feel like you guys are kind of extrapolating a lot of conclusions, you know, when it's really just time that the dude needs. And clearly, I know, I, I expect this from you. I expect this from you, Julio. Eddie, I expect better. I expect better a, of you. But as well, a Warriors I mean, you organization, you don't have time. You don't have time. You're on the clock. I mean, you should have expected it from me because I didn't really like him as a prospect that much. I only talked myself into him because the Warriors kept on talking themselves into him. You know, so by proxy, I felt like I had to believe he was good or something. But I looked at a lot of other, you know, pretty good centers rookie years. Um, I looked at Anthony Davis, how he looked rookie year. I looked at the tapes on DeAndre Ayton. I looked at Carl Anthony Towns. And for AD and Cat, that's kind of unfair because they were billed as like generational prospects. But even DeAndre Ayton looked so much better from day one on the floor. You know, it's like there's just a certain something about a lot of these other prospects. Even this year, when I look at an Isaac Okoro or even a Patrick Williams, who should be the most raw prospect of them all, and something about the game processing is just coming to them like so much easier than James Wiseman. You know, it's like, I mean, here's an example. There's like sometimes guards will drive at James Wiseman and you know James Wiseman at all and should be blocking those shots he's in position and he just decides not to jump like I don't know whether he's scared that he's gonna draw fouls you know it's just like I don't know what it is is it the confidence is it just not trusting your abilities is it all that but you know it's just just I don't know something is not clicking with me about him and I kind of just had this suspicion because again me as kind of an evaluator I, I'm not enamored with the run and jump stuff. I want to see you play basketball because it's the basketball that matters. And he just doesn't have it yet. And, and I know I'm being very impatient, but it's hard to be patient when you have Steph 
and you know that team is supposed to be good. Well, then you should have told should've your team traded. to trade your damn pick. That's what you should have did instead of coming for my dude. Yeah, damn, that's what you should have done. Yeah. Trade him. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for that. You should have told your team to trade your yeah. damn pick or draft Tyler's Halliburton or something. I don't know. You come. You, you, but, you take. You taking all that energy right now? All that negative energy that you got because your team traded for Andrew Wiggins and signed Kelly Oubre and all that shit. Like you putting that on James Wise, and that ain't fair. <laughs> you doing. You, but here's you, the thing. I I'm gonna go through all of the lottery prospects, and I think a lot of them have a more reasonable upside or like a more reasonable like better future than james wiseman right now go ahead like i think if i go through the draft i think anthony edwards can reasonably um be a better player than sure. wiseman um lamella ball like clearly sure. patrick williams looks like he can be a coral and eh, like hard to say Anyeka hasn't played a minute that's tough killian just injured his hip which is really debilitating for a player like him that sucks obi hasn't played um but denny avdia I mean, no, he looks no, like no, he's no, 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 don't do that one. Don't do that one. Oh, yeah. Then he okay, hasn't even does. been doing that much. Like, what, what, what has he done that would give you reason or cause to say that he has higher upside than James Wiseman? Because when, when Russell Westbrook doesn't play and he gets a little more share of the ball, he's actually scoring and, and dishing you the ball. You just don't like certain dudes. <laughs> you just <laughs> Oh, man. De- Denny knows how to play basketball. I'm, I, that was I won't deny that is, I won't deny that, but like higher upside than James Wiseman, no. Well, I'm saying reasonably, because obviously Wiseman has all the untapped potential in the world. Do I think he's going to achieve? Like most we're of talking it? about probable outcomes, still I, no. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I said all I said about Halliburton. I'll, I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll throw out a name out there um, to kind of merge into the to this discussion and maybe. Move on to this name. How do you guys feel about Tyrese Maxey? Hooper. Hooper. And, and versus, you know, with James Wiseman. My thing is when you're in a draft that, like we've said, doesn't have a lot of generational talent that, you know, it's surefire and you're picking a lot of guys who maybe bust or maybe, you know, just solid players in the league, why not draft a guy like Tyrese Maxey who can easily for his foreseeable future – be like a Lou Will, you know, like a six man who can just come off the bench and get you buckets. That I, I kind of value more that more than a project, let's say, than, than James Wiseman. That's just me, though. Project? Oh my god! Hey, I, mean, like, I, like, I like I like Warriors, Warriors have called him a project. I mean, a pro. Like what we, I feel like we have. There's levels to the word project, like. Bruno Caboclo's a project versus James Wiseman's a project. Those are two different level of project. Like James Wiseman to me I is mean, more of a Giannis Antetokounmpo project than he is like a just random lanky dude from overseas that you might be able to turn into a, a twenty minute a game dude. Um, but no, Tyrese Maxey. I mean, what he dropped thirty nine the other day when everybody was basically not playing. Like even the fact that you can step on an NBA court and drop thirty nine points, uh, it wasn't that great field goal percentage. But either way, the fact that you can do that tells me you got something juice to you. Um, and that's a guy I had some concerns with coming out of the draft just because of the jumper wasn't there. But he's a willing shooter. When it's, when teams go under screens, he he's able to make them pay for it to some extent. So. I mean, the dude showed all the stuff that he needs to show to me for me to be like, okay, yeah, that dude's got some stuff to him for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of wrong about him as well in that, you know, I had some concerns about the jumper, had concerns about, like, the sort of ways he attacked an offense or kind of played within an offense. But, no, like, he's looked really good. He looks like he can be a meaningful contributor 
to the Sixers team as a rookie, which is saying something. And the fact that he can defend as well and, and lock up and, you know, like he's showing all those instincts there. He just has to get better at, you know, fighting over screens, things like that. Um, you know, like, yeah, he, he, he looks like a draft steal already. And it, I mean, it's a good thing that Philly came across him. Yeah, my thing is, my biggest thing is how he handles and reads pick and rolls. I mean, when play, like Trey Young and Chris Paul are like my favorite examples where you put them in a pick and roll and it's almost like when players say, okay, the game has slowed down for me. The game actually, when you're watching them on TV, the game actually slows down. He, they put their defenders on their backs, they're reading the floor and then they go. That's kind of what I see a, a little bit in, in Tyrese Maxey and the pick and roll. Yeah, Duke and Hoop, man. Yeah, I, I think it's funny because these Kentucky guys and, and Emmanuel quickly is one of one of that example that um, he kind of looks better than what he looked like at Kentucky. And, of course, the Knicks hired all the Kentucky dudes, so, so they drafted him. But, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think that teams are better off. And I think the Lakers are really good at this. Literally, the Lakers' draft philosophy, it seems like to me, in these late first-round picks, second-round picks, is just, does this guy look like he knows how to play basketball? Is he a bucket getter? You know, like, is he in the right places at the right time? And they just keep on drafting these guys who know how to play basketball instead of, like you were saying, Julio, talking about developmental projects, talking about, you know, perceived upside. It's just simply, he's been a hooper in high school, he's been a hooper in college, you know, he's going to be a hooper in the NBA. And that's how you end up with guys like Jordan Clarkson and, and Taylor Horton Tucker and Larry Nance. And, of course, some teams hit it big on, on the project. Some some teams like Toronto get Pascal Siakam. But for the most part, don't, you know. Don't do teams... that face, Julio. Don't do that face. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that face. <laughs> I mean, Pascal Siakam, freaking Julio looked like he had food poisoning, bro. This is a, ugh, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, uh, uh, really quick on Pascal Siakam, what? we're not talking, <laughs> but why, why are the Raptors going to him in every late game scenario like he's KD? Like, do they think he's Kawhi or DeMar DeRozan? Give the ball to Van Vliet or run a damn play. Don't go one-on-one with Siakam. Who, who, uh, never mind, never mind, never mind. You had to get a slander in. But, I mean, what I'm saying is, I mean, even, even for example, like Siakam, it shows up where teams have really, like Toronto has really got him to be like, I mean, and you can criticize him all you want. He's a good basketball player. But the truth is the fundamental basketball stuff just simply doesn't come easily. And it's and it's those sort of things that are ingrained, you know, when, when a player is like 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 or, or 12, I guess. I mean, you see this with Giannis, too. Like, Giannis is a freak of nature, but when you ask him to just bog down and do basketball stuff, he's not really good at basketball stuff. So, I mean, this is why I say what I do about James Wiseman, you know, what I say about some of these other prospects. It's just, are you good at basketball? And I know that's not a great way to quantify it. It's not very precise or specific. And the truth is, that that's just simply what it boils down to sometimes. Well... That's Eddie's taking. That that's what we're gonna live on for the rest of today's episode, man. I will say, I I almost want to do a wager, man. Nothing comes to mind, but I promise y'all, like, I, James Wiseman's gonna be a player, dude. He's gonna be a player. I like, I like. Well, 
I wish I could quantify it in a better way than I can, but, like, other than the fact that the dude is a fucking hooper, like, I can't do no more than that for you, bro. I'm sorry. Like, the dude can fucking play, and I get it. It's frustrating now because it's, like, it's looking kind of ugly, I guess, because of the lack of basketball skills. But, hell, basketball skills and being good at basketball, as you put it, comes by playing basketball. And the more basketball James Wiseman plays, the better he's going to get at it and, and you know, that's me assuming that he has the will to do so, which is, you know, I tend to assume, you know, the better in players for that. Uh, so, so long as the dude has the will to play, the dude's going to be good at basketball. Like, I promise you that, especially within that Warriors system. Like, I promise you there's going to come times where it's going to be James Wiseman putting on for Steph Curry ass on both ends of the floor. I, I'm telling you, man, that dude can play. I mean, I hope so. He has three assists to 15 turnovers right now, so he's certainly not looking for I mean, y'all ask him to be Jokic? <laughs> Is that did you expect him to come in and be Nikola Jokic or or, or uh, Bam Adebayo? Like, come on, man, you get, give him time. Let let him marinate a little bit, okay? Let it let it. You know, you know, you ever you ever deep fry a turkey and you got to put it in the oven after it's deep fried. Never mind, man. Y'all don't get that. Anyways, that's gonna do it for this yeah. episode of Hoop and Holly. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's up? Wait before. Okay. Before, actually, before. Go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, who out of this rookie class was your least favorite player? The entire class. Oh, uh, you mean like the top top end, like Mm -hmm. of the notable names? Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about that. Like I, I, I don't want to say I don't like his game at all, but I almost don't like his game at all. (laughs) Like I I can very much see his field goal percentage being super low, um, even though he he might catch a lot of lobs, a lot of dunks. But that that's really a name. That in the draft, I thought he it was vastly overhyped, vastly, vastly overhyped. Uh-huh. I'm gonna say that in terms of where he was drafted versus where I ranked him. I mean, Wiseman was a guy that I had ranked way lower than number two, <laughs> so I I guess you know I guess I just didn't like that. Let's see, that's that's somewhat of a t- I didn't understand the Alexa's P- Pokusevich pick. Um. I feel like they're trying to make him into a Chris Stapps when he's not, but uh, I mean, I want, that's not high end though. I guess on the high end, like uh, I, I kind of Denny. I, I never, I never saw it with Denny like other people saw it with Denny. But like, I feel like nine was a fine place for him. I, there were there were some people talking about he could go top five. That felt kind of egregious to me. But the fact that he went nine, I guess Jalen Smith. I don't know why Jalen Smith went ten. Um, yeah, no, no one really knows. Uh. But I, I mean, at the top end again, I, I thought all of these guys were like solid players. Maybe not, you know, all future all stars, but the guys who could play solid basketball. I like Patrick Williams. I mean, I like Patrick Williams hella more than I did pre draft. Honestly, now that I see him hoop in Chicago, the dude can play. Um, I like Okoro. I mean, I like all these dudes. I, I think Okoro is shooting forty nine percent from the free throw line. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I mean, again, I, I think that sort of stuff comes with time, but I, I think he's the a type of guy, again, not going to be an all-star, but, you know, in the context of having Sexton and Darius Garland, he's a guy who can play off of those two guys decently. So, yeah, if I had to pick one guy who I'm like, why the hell did you get drafted top 10? Jalen Smith. I didn't really get that one. Um, I was going to say, before we go, I just wanted to do a quick little exercise since we're so torn on this. Yeah. What kind of comp? Do we think James Wiseman will be like what kind of player can we comp him to, mm. and you know, like for the player he's going to become, like in your opinion, 
Mm, I'm gonna need some time on that. Hold, hold up, hold up. I always envision yeah, him I know, I know like I know this is the worst way to do it because this is a guy who's disappointed a lot of people. But like Hassan Whiteside, if he was good, like like everything that Hassan Whiteside should be, James Wiseman will be in my <laughs> bro. Mind. Oh my god! See, I would say I would say Hassan Whiteside if he was who he was right now, bro. <laughs> no, no, not actually. Because, I mean, look, Hassan Whiteside doesn't know how to play basketball. That, that's just what I'm saying. But, no, I was going to go, like, the current version of Serge Ibaka is kind of my expectation for him. Hmm. Which is not a terrible player for, for everything that I said about him. It's not like right now version of Serge is a terrible player. But, you know, I, again, we, we need to tamper expectations. I don't I, think we have to envision superstar with him. When I think of James Wiseman, I think of Al Horford. That ain't bad. What? That ain't. Uh, I, I I don't know about that one. Like I don't, I don't even think I would go that far. But not, like, that ain't not bad. All Star Al Horford. Like like last year Al like last year Al Horford. Alright, bro. Y'all really. Good I don't know. Maybe maybe Festus Azili too. Oh man, that'll comparison. do it for this episode, y'all. Because now y'all 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 doing them dirty on that Festus Azili. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the Twitter, all that good stuff. Eddie, what was your Most favorite tweet? Most spates. Most spates. Anyways, um, what was your favorite tweet that you had today? My favorite tweet. I did tweet two things about Miles Turner and that he's a better player than Domantas Sabonis and that Indiana needs to prioritize him or another team needs to figure it out because he's a better player than Sabonis. Well, that's the sort of stuff that you're getting from Square One Hoops on Twitter, so make sure you go check that out at S2R1Hoops um, on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you guys all so much for all the love, support, and tuning in. We will see y'all next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.